Welcome to Conversations with Postpartner, where we explore aspects of running a successful wedding photography business through conversations with real wedding photographers around the world. On this episode, I have a conversation with Anne Scott Virtue, who runs White Cheddar Photography, a wedding photography business located just outside of Melbourne, Australia. Get to know what drives Anne as we chat about her life on a horse ranch, her previous work in photojournalism and commercial photography, and how these things shape her approach to a wedding day. I know you are going to love getting to know Anne, so thanks again for joining and enjoy our conversation. For those of you who don't know, Anne is a photographer based in Australia. I'll let her explain where in Australia because I don't really know where. Um, but you <laughs> operate under White Shutter Photography. Is that correct? That's correct. Awesome. How's it going? How are you doing today? Yeah, you're good. Um, you know, ISO life, but it's good. We're, we're getting through it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what time is it there? Because it's 6 p.m. Uh, here on Wednesday. Uh, it is- it's 20 past 11 midday on Thursday, the Thursday. 9th of April. Yeah. In the so future already. You guys. We're in the future. Yeah. Is the world, <laughs> is the world fixed yet in the future? Or? No. <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> no, no. Um, it's still, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be crazy for a while. Um, yeah. Like, and thank you so much for joining us and for doing this. Um, Thanks for I really me. appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I mean, I don't know what your schedule is like these days, but <laughs> I appreciate well, chase, chasing after a baby and, you know, <laughs> that's yeah, really. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, can you explain to us who you are and like where you are mm-hmm. and yeah, give us the gist. Yeah. Who's Anne? Sure. Okay. So who's Anne? Um, so I'm, um, I live um, just outside of Melbourne, about 50 minutes north of Melbourne in Victoria and Australia um, in a tiny town called Gisborne and my husband, myself and my nine-month-old baby daughter, River Evelyn, and Amazing. we live on a horse farm. We live on 11 and a half acres and we have horses and um, I am a wedding photographer currently sitting at home, killing time, just like everybody else, um, yeah. trying to, you know, do the last bits and pieces of work that I still have. And other than that, um, yeah, I, um, I originally come from Germany and I've lived in Australia for, I think, coming up 16 years now. Wow. Um, yeah. Therefore I the accent. Backpacker and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, lived in the, I lived in the Northern Territory for a long time, so I think that'll knock it out of anyone, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, I um I worked in an indigenous community for a little while and was tutoring in grade one and two and um I think that helped me a lot with um the Aussie pronunciation. I yeah, that's so cool. And so <laughs> yeah, you live. So that, okay, hmm. What's the what's the town that you live in? What's it called again? Uh, it's called Gisborne. Um, Giz- Gisborne. So we're sort of in between Gisborne and Riddles Creek, um, which are just two little tiny country towns with. Lots and lots of horsey people. Um, so that's that's sort of what people do around here. And we um, we're very close to um, we're the Macedon Rangers, and we're really close to um, Mount Macedon. I actually, when I look out of my office window, I have this beautiful mountain. Um, beautiful. Like, well, Canadian mountains. Uh, that's mountains. We have little hills. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you have mountains. Um, but yeah, it's really pretty. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So well, we have 
Yeah, we have a mountain. So you, how did you end up on the ranch then? Was that like uh, something that your husband did or is that something that you were passionate about, like horses? Well, I've been, so um, when I lived in Germany, I've, I've, I've been riding for as long as I remember. Um, I think the first time I sat on a horse, I think I was about a year and a half or two or something. So I grew up with horses and it was always my thing. And One of those, um, one of those kids, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> once you girls get into it, I don't, I think you lost it. It's, it's lifelong <laughs> obsession. Um, and, um, but yeah, I moved to Australia just, um, and I had a really bad accident when I was 18, a horse riding accident and, um, sort of stopped riding after that, especially when I moved to Australia, I just sort of gave it up completely, but I grew up in the country. So I'm, I'm a country kid at heart. I grew up in a tiny little village in, in Germany and my husband grew up in the Kimberley, which is a region in, uh, Western Australia, which is super, super remote in a town called, um, Wyndham and Kununurra. And there's literally nothing out there mm-hmm. besides bushland and um, bush. lots of crocodiles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, But he moved to Melbourne um, when he was in his early 20s and I came to Australia and sort of travelled around a bit and um, we ended up in Melbourne, which was great and it gave us lots of opportunities for work and our careers and stuff. But I think at heart we always knew we wanted to get back to the country and we always wanted to, we always said that if we have a child, like we'd really like to bring it up in the country and do the whole country thing with our baby girl. Um, and yeah, and this just happened by chance that we found this place. We, yeah. um, we were living in the middle of like literally in the guts of Melbourne and South Melbourne in um, a cute little cottage um, about 160 square metres big and um, we were renting that place and the lease came to an end and um, we were in... <laughs> funny story we were in um Iceland on a huge trip um and we just found out that we had to vacate the property just before we left and um we ended up searching for a new place whilst we were overseas and we found the ranch while we were sitting in our um Airbnb in Reykjavik so yeah wow halfway across (laughs) the um, world I know yeah we were about as far away as we could be and um yeah we found the we found the farm and um signed um contracts and everything and then saw the place for the first time yeah. so you you signed it all that stuff before start- even seeing it yeah yeah so we were wow. it's um it was a really unfortunate timeline the way it happened and we obviously we went on this huge trip like we were away for like six or seven weeks and um we'd found this place and we only had 10 days from returning from coming home to having to vacate the property that we were in. And um, so we decided, okay, we'll, we'll have a look whilst we're overseas and see if we can find something. And the first thing that we'd found was this was this farm. And we sort of decided we wanted to do this move anyway, probably not for a couple more years, but this was the perfect opportunity because it was in the right location and it was the sort of the right setup for what we wanted. And so we decided, um, stuff it, we'll just... You know, well, um, well, my father-in-law came out and checked it out for us whilst we were in Iceland, and and so we did everything via email and Skype calls and got all the documentation wow. together and um, saw the place only by photos and a couple of videos that they did like as a little walkthrough and um, yeah, and um, we got approved and we came home on the Friday morning, uh, Friday evening, sorry, came home on the Friday evening, went to the uh, real estate agent on Saturday morning signed the contracts, got the key and drove out to the farm for the first time. (laughs) No way. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then we moved in, I think a week later or something. So yeah, it was a bit crazy and, you know, no idea what we've just signed for, but we'll just (laughs) make it happen. (laughs) 
<laughs> how does like what do you do you get like whatever's on the ranch at the time tea or like did it come with yeah, animals so or no, 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 I didn't come with animals. So um, the property has, um, so we're on 11 and a half acres um, mm. and we have a, a stable complex um, which has stalls in it and um, like a tack room and feeding areas and stuff like that. And we have a, a horse riding arena and we have paddocks set up. Um, so the fencing was the fencing was done, um, but we had to redo the electrical wiring and stuff like that. Um, but other than that, it was ready to go. Like it needed a bit, bit of maintenance. Like the, the arena was completely overgrown with weeds and the stables needed to be cleaned out. And, um, yeah, the electric fencing needed to be redone and that sort of thing. And it needed an awful lot of mowing. Um, but other than that, it was, it was basically ready to go. And, um, yeah, we, um, we had to fix up the chicken coop and, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. Like it's what we wanted and, um, it is a lot of work, um, and but yeah, it's it's just a, it's such a great lifestyle, um, and it it suits us to a T. No yeah. kidding. I mean, you kind of have to be a special <laughs> breed of uh, person to <laughs> take that on for sure. Um, yeah. So it like I'm sure this like time of the of the world with all this stuff going on, you're probably yeah. you guys are probably doing great, hey? Like, <laughs> well, still have yeah, lots of work look, to I mean, do. It's... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, the farm work never stops. And um, so we have a gisters. Um, so we have people that have their horses on our property and um, basically renting paddocks of us and renting our facilities. Um, so that keeps me busy. I'll, I'll run that side. So that's like our little business on the side. Um, that certainly keeps us busy. But with the new restrictions that have come in, um, it's a little bit more to juggle. Like we have to like a roster in place. So there's only one adjuster here at a time because of social distancing and stuff yeah. like that. And um, I have to go and disinfect everything in the barn every day. And there's um, so much extra know. work so just to make sure everyone's safe. There is, Yeah. It, there's a lot of extra work, but everyone is doing their bid and we're all sort of trying to do it, um, you know, for each other's safety, but yeah. at least, you know, like I, I have 11 and a half acres to go out to and, and do stuff and, um, you know, I can go out and enjoy the sunshine on a day like today and it's it's great where um, other people, you know, are cooped up in apartments like my yeah, brother back home in Germany. they can't do anything, yeah. You know, no, so, you know, I really can't complain. I, I feel very blessed that, um, I, that we have what we have and that, you know, I can take my daughter for a, a stroll in the pram around. I've got a beautiful track around the property and, yeah yeah so, so good. It's, it's good I f- we're pretty lucky in that sense yeah I have to brag a little bit I know a bit about horses I don't know if you know like, I wear, my, wear my denim I don't know do you guys wear denim <laughs> you're, you're cowboys and cowgirls with denim over there <laughs> well I'm a dressage rider so denim doesn't impress me <laughs> <laughs> okay well there you answered my question I was gonna ask what kind of riding are you are, do you do <laughs> Yeah, so. no, I'm a I'm a dressage rider, and um, we've got a couple of show jumpers here, and um, uh, we've got one girl that does western riding. She does extreme cowboying, so yeah, Amazing. so she, she would probably be impressed by your denim. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like you're trying too hard. <laughs> she, we actually, I live in um, the city that I'm in. It's called it's Langley in British Columbia. You yeah. probably have never heard of it. You have no reason to. But it at one point was the horse capital of Canada. So. Oh, okay. or maybe maybe the horse capital of our province, maybe not Canada, because we have the prairies. But yeah, there's horses everywhere. Like my neighbors used to have horses. Uh, there's like a huge show park down the road. Uh, just down this road, there's a huge um, practice. I don't even know what you call it. 
Like, so you really have no excuse not to be horse riding. I love riding the horse. I okay. One time, my wife and I got invited up to a ranch, like up in northern BC, yeah. like for an exchange of service for photography, and it was the best weekend ever. Like, I've never ridden a horse before that. Um, and we, like, my wife had ridden one back in the day, and she's terrified. But they took us like all these like backcountry trails, and we rode for like four or five hours, and it, oh, it was amazing. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. There's this really cheesy Netflix show called Heartland, which oh, is yeah. based in, in Canada. I know. And, we uh, know about that. <laughs> <laughs> are they are they super crazy over over in Canada about Heartland? Uh, it's it's kind of like a national treasure, I'd say. Yeah. Right. I like, love no, it, and it like, makes me. It, yeah, go. Nobody I know watches it and nobody would ever admit <laughs> watching it, but it's like one of those things like it's a national treasure. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. Like I've, I've watched it. Um, I'm happily admitting it. Um, but um, <laughs> it made me really want to go. Like, I mean, we've, ha- we've got Canada massively on our bucket list, but it really makes me want to go just trail riding for a week just through, through the yeah. mountains and stuff like that. It looks so beautiful. Oh. Yeah. And you, and you have your own horses, right? You have yeah. two, I believe. I have two. Um, Get a little bit of creepy. I have. <laughs> You've been talking about this. Yeah, so I have um, King T, which his name's Thomas. Um, his show name's King T. Yeah. He is um, an ex race horse, and I've taken him on as my first horse after a 14 year break of horse riding, which um, some people thought was pretty crazy because um, he didn't really know much at all um, besides going really, really fast. Yeah. And that's um, your first horse after your accident. Yeah. That's, so that's my first horse. Um, so this since, is you so I had my accident when I was 18. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was my first horse back. Um, and we've got a tiny, cute little pony, which is called Chickaboo. <laughs> I saw it. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> she's so adorable. Um, so she's for River. Um, River has no choice in the matter. She's going to be a horsey girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just brainwashing her. Um, uh, yeah, we got, um, we, got, we got Chickaboo when River was, I think, seven months old, which, again, was probably, you know, a little, a little soon. But at the same time, <laughs> she is uh, sort of like there's this, there's a handful of really awesome and perfect kids ponies out there that um, you can literally just do anything with. They can dress them up. You can, you know, they just happily do whatever the kids want to do. And they're really hard to find. And if you find them, they, they get snapped up real quick and they cost a ton of money. So we got really lucky and we got Chickaboo and Chickaboo is now our little unicorn. <laughs> I can't so wait funny. for them to grow up together. So, yeah. Yeah, really sure. Cool. River will never know her like no life without a horse I think so yeah like I, and one of our registers um we've we've become really really good friends over the last um couple of years and she actually had a baby girl herself and our daughters are only six months apart in age and so Kristen has her horse here and yeah. she obviously has her baby daughter and um because we're good friends we're kind of hoping that the girls are going to be great friends and you know they can grow up with boo together and do their thing and yeah. they can do our thing and so it's kind of like you know <laughs> the brainwashing continues yeah <laughs> the arranged friendships yeah. the arranged friendships the horses yeah 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 that's fun though they're gonna, they're gonna love it <laughs> oh i just like i don't know like i want my i want my kid to just go out and have fun and you know come back mud crusted i don't care like just you know be be out there and and explore and and you know roll in the mud and the dirt and and have the i think also have to learn the responsibility of having animals around like we also have chickens and we have a dog and a cat and 
you know, it's just um, for them to learn compassion and love and how to care. And I think that's really important. Yeah, and so good. If, yeah, if you can offer that, like, I don't know, like for me, that's like a childhood dream. And I hope that's, I hope that's her childhood dream too. And I can give it to her. So yeah, uh, that's great that's sort of thought process. Did you, did you grow up with animals? I feel like we, we're, we're talking so much about animals. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so curious. Cool yeah. Did you grow up with animals or was this like a, something you yeah, found? No. Yeah, no. Well, we had a, we had a family dog. His name was Hannibal. Hannibal. Um, <laughs> German Shepherd. Um, he was awesome. I loved him for bits. And um, yeah, I grew up with horses, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we didn't, we didn't have chickens or anything like that. Um, but um, my grandparents lived on a, still live um, in a tiny village. Um, so whenever we went visiting them, like we would always be exposed to, to animals and um, you know, going, walking and hiking in the forests and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I sort of grew up with this environment and and even though I'm halfway across the world um, and not being able to give her the European experience, I still want to be able to give her the experience of growing up and living on the land and, and um, you know, being with animals and, yeah, and just I don't want her to be a, a screen zombie. I, you know, yeah. Rather to, to go out and you know chase the chickens around the backyard or whatever yeah, yeah. I feel like um a lot of people want that for their kids but yeah. it's they just aren't in that context so it's really cool that you yeah. have that and you are giving that yeah. to your daughter so I hope she yeah. appreciates it when she's older and <laughs> she'll look back Gosh, and I hope so, so too, but I'm sure there'll be times where she will hate it so <laughs> oh yeah it's like the classic yeah. like uh grew up in a small town wants to get out to the city kind yeah. of yeah. you were probably I'm sure when she that's probably <laughs> yeah. your, your story right yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Well, I, yeah, I moved out when I was 16 um, and moved to the other side of Germany to to um, pursue my studies and stuff. And um, still, though, I lived in a small town um, and still was involved with horses and did all of that. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I think just because you grow up in a small town doesn't mean you can't become an explorer and, and, and find yourself and, and go out and check out the world. Like, you know, here I am. I moved to Australia when I was 20 um, and haven't left since. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just think, I don't know, I think growing up in the country gives you a really good grounding. I, I, I am super jealous of your upbringing. I, it's my dream to just go and live on a farm for the rest of my life. Yeah. So do it. If do I it. plan to do it, maybe I'll call you up and get some pointers on how to take care of chickens because <laughs> I have no idea. My, yeah, done. My husband can help you with the veggie patches. He's just um, filled these. Um, well, we had these already built, but um, he's just filled them up with um, all kinds of horse poo and soil and whatnot, <laughs> and he's planted all the veggies. So. Yeah, as you do. Yep, self-sufficiency, here we come. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I will for sure hit you up if I ever do that. Yeah, um, totally. I would love to talk about your wedding photography, if, if that's cool. I don't <laughs> know. This one, is yes. so interesting. It's, it's tough. This is so interesting to me because I want to live on a ranch or a farm one day, so I could talk about this for for hours. <laughs> yeah. But you are you're obviously a wedding photographer. That's kind of why we've reached out to you. Um, yeah. How long have you been in wedding photography for? Um, wedding photography itself, probably I think it's about five years now for weddings. Yeah, I think weddings is about five years. Yeah. And how, how did that happen? Oops. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> hey, the last podcast, my phone started ringing. So it's totally, you know. Oh, like, <laughs> actually, I got to take my phone off the desk. That's a good goal. <laughs> um, so I, um, 
I don't know, if you would have told me five, six years ago that I was going to be a wedding photographer, um, I probably would have run the opposite way. And I, I always said, I'm not going to touch that with the 10 foot pole. It's not my cup of tea. Um, I sort of had a bit of a background in corporate and events and stuff like that. That's what I was doing. And I did a bit of work for newspapers. Um, but um, friends got married and asked, hey, don't you want to come oh, yeah, and yeah. take photos? Blah, blah. You're not the main photographer, so it doesn't matter. But, you know, <laughs> if you want to bring your camera, that'd You're be great. You're also not getting paid at all. This is all no, just No, you're not us. getting paid. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, maybe you could. And, and so I did. And um, that happened a couple more times. And I actually surprisingly enjoyed it. Mm. Um, Interesting. I guess weddings... Um, sort of what grew the beast I think um but it's it's funny because um I had this idea in my head of what weddings were like and they felt really cliche and really forced and um I didn't think that there was much flow to it I thought it was all really structured and there's no room for creativity and um so that was sort of my mindset that I was in before I really sort of opened my mind to weddings and that only sort of happened because you were starting to attend weddings because your friends started to get married and then you were yeah. asked hey why don't you bring a camera and then you know you're not just a guest and you get to see a few other aspects of a wedding day and and I guess um that sort of opened my mind to the fact that um there is actually quite a bit of creativity that you um you know can add live on a wedding day as a photographer and um the fact that you're invited into someone's life um on a very very special day and um that is you know charged full of emotions and all these experiences and um yeah and I I I really got a kick out of that and um decided to give it a crack and sort of gave myself a year um kept all my other jobs um going my commercial work and that sort of thing because I thought all right well I'll I'll give it a year and I'll give it a go and see if I like it and if I don't I have my old client base to fall back onto and mm-hmm. if I do like it then I can you know take steps from there so I guess I was in a bit of a lucky position that I didn't have to you know make a call straight up and so I could charge or I could place myself financially somewhere where I was comfortable um, with trying to attract a certain clientele and filtering out the stuff that I didn't want um, which was good and yeah and I I really grew quite a bit of passion for wedding photography in that first year and decided that, yeah, cool, I like it. Um, I'm going to turn this into something a bit more. Yeah, yeah that's so cool. So, so you you have photography, a photography background. So how long have you been – weddings is something newer, I guess, but you've been doing photography yeah. for a long time? Like what – Yeah. What, what are you um, doing So I've been that? a professional photographer for um, 15 years. Yeah, I feel like I should know this. Um, I'd say roughly 15 years. So my professional career started when I um, came to Australia about um, one year after I came to Australia. Um, So you were like, you were 20 at the time or 21? 21 at that point. I was 21. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I, I did, I got a camera when I was younger from my mum back in the film days and it was all fun. Mum regretted it because I had no idea what I was doing. Film was expensive. Um, But um, I don't know, like that was fun. And I think that sort of, you know, got the interest going and um, we did quite a bit of travel. um, So there was always cameras around and we were always taking photos of stuff. And um, in the 
first year that I came to Australia, I had my old Canon, my trusty Canon film camera with me and um, I was travelling around and I was photographing an awful lot during that time. And then I went out to Arnhem Land to live in an Indigenous community um, and that's what really got me going again because it was so different from anything that I've ever experienced and it was so different from um, the life back home. That was... I was only in Australia for six months when I moved out there and um, trying to explain over the phone to your family what you're experiencing and what you're seeing um, is not the same as to try and document it in pictures and showing them totally. and showing all your friends at home to, you know, like, because Arnhem Land is a, is a very remote area and it's um, as Aborigine-owned land um, where you can only go if you have a, a permit and you have a reason to be there and it's quite protected. And it's literally in the middle of nowhere. In the wet season, you can't drive in or out. You have to fly in or out. Wow. Um, and the the culture and the traditions are still very strong in this place. Um, sure, there's, you know, issues as you have with Indigenous communities and stuff, but um, it was so different from anything that I've ever experienced and I wanted to explain it properly to my family. So that was got me really going into the documentary side of things. Cool. And... Um, when I came back to Darwin, I decided that I really wanted to try to make photography um, my career, I suppose. Um, and I had a few friends in Darwin and I was um, told about a guy called Shane Eason, who is a local photographer in Darwin, who's been all around the world. He's been a fashion photographer in Europe and in America. and um, One of those guys, he, eh? Yeah, one of those guys. And... <laughs> He, um, I, I have to admit, I harassed him a little bit. Um, <laughs> he, um, so he had a huge studio, like a drive-in studio called Creative Light Studios. And um, I wanted to get into the commercial sector at that point. Like I wanted to do events and um, a bit of journalism and stuff like that. And that's exactly what he was doing. And um, I tried to sort of, you know, initiate contact with him a couple of times and it just didn't go anywhere. Yeah. So in the end, I just went about and spent a whole bunch of money and, and did up my portfolio properly and just chased him until he finally looked at it. And um, <laughs> he eventually <laughs> caved in and he goes, all right, let's sit down and have a chat. And yeah. um, he became somewhat of my mentor, I suppose. And he took me on and I ended up working for him for almost six years. Cool. And, um, I'm really glad yeah, that worked so, out. I was waiting yeah, for the, the letdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You never, we never no, talked. No, 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 let, no letdown. And, um, no, it's been really cool and we, we're still in touch and he flew me up to Darwin, um, a couple of times to, to help him work on projects and stuff like that. And I learned an awful lot from him and with him and, um, you know, we did really cool things. Like we used to, we shot from helicopters for um, yacht races and the V8s and all that kind of stuff. So I got some really awesome experiences and I've learned a lot about um, commercial photography and studio photography and that sort of thing mm -hmm. um, and ended up getting, um, you know, some stories into the newspapers and stuff like that. So that was really cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and then... Um, sort of went from there. I left Darwin and I moved to Melbourne and continued on with um, um, commercial photography and ended up getting into a bit of architectural stuff and some real estate stuff and that sort of thing. And I continued on with portraiture and 
And then I had a had a thought where I thought, oh, well, maybe I want to get into fashion. I, I scratched that very quickly because I'm not a fashionista and I can't deal with fashion people. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and then the weddings kind of came about. So, yeah, I think that's my photography in a nutshell, really. Yeah, so you kind of, you've kind of done it all. Bits and yeah. pieces here and there. Bits Lots and of pieces commercials. Here and there. You've done, like, photojournalism. Yeah. Were yeah. you, when you were up north, sorry, I can't remember the name of the place because it's... Darwin. Dar- oh, the community or... Yeah, the indigenous community. Uh, Raminginning. Raming, yes, yeah, I would. <laughs> I don't even know yeah. how to say that after you say it. Yeah. Um, would, would that be like um, like photojournalism style? Like you're yeah. telling stories yeah. through images? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I did um, I did quite a few portraits. I actually won a couple of um, awards for the portraits that I took up there. Cool. Um, just of kids and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I ended up working at the school, um, tutoring in grade one and two. And, um, yes, I had a, I had a great connection with, um, a few different, um, social groups within the community, I suppose you could say. And, and, um, it really helped to be accepted by the people, which is really important. And there's some incredible artists up there, um, doing original paintings and stuff like that. And you could sit down with them and watch them and, photograph cool. them do their thing oh, that's and so cool. um yeah the kids go you know we used to go um hunting for mud crabs or long neck turtles and you know you just be sitting on in the paperback swamp on a on a dry spot and watch them go through knee deep water which you know will have crocodiles in them and they just do their thing and they just know their land and yeah it was really cool um it was a really really good experience and it was just yeah. so foreign and so different to anything that I had ever experienced in my life. You've got to remember like I was 20 at the time. I just, sorry, I just turned 21 and I've come from the other side of the world. And um, like I've had a lifelong obsession with Australia. Um, I didn't have boy band posters in my childhood bedroom. I had posters of Ayers Rock and Crocodile Dundee. That was my thing. (laughs) And to, to finally be in that space and to be, in like that's Australia to me. Um, yeah, you made you know, it. Like the remote, yeah, the remoteness and the crocodiles and the red dirt and that sort mm. of thing. And and I I just I found myself sitting there pinching myself, thinking, "Holy crap!" Like you know, I've come from Europe, which is old, ancient, and but in a different way. And now mm. I'm sitting here in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by. Um, you know, all these traditional people uh, in the middle of the land and I'm learning all these new things and new cultures. And, yeah, I, that really got me going. And photography really helped me to not just process it for myself but to also be able to explain it to everyone at home because it is just so different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to try and formulate a question that I've been trying to think of for the last, like, minute. Okay, So, like, I'm getting the the vibe that like you love meaning in your images and you love capturing yep. things that are meaningful. I mean, you even mentioned like you can do fashion because I feel like it's just like the opposite of that at times yep. where it's just, yeah. you're just going off the checklist, making people um, happy. Um, but you really seem to like, even in like you talking about it, like working with the indigenous communities, working with weddings and couples and the, like this beautiful day, you kind of like you light up. So um, yeah. what, what is like, how do you capture those moments authentically and, and tell that story? Because I, like, I, I photograph weddings as well. And every single wedding is different. 
but there's mm-hmm. always those moments where you're like, oh, this is amazing. Like, yeah. how can I make sure to capture this exactly how it feels? And sometimes yeah. that's super hard, but yeah, what what's kind of your your process? I think um, I don't know if there I don't know if there is a formula to it. Um, I think um, I guess like the more weddings you photograph, um, you have a you have an understanding of what happens, and you you kind of learn to predict things a little bit. I guess when certain emotions are most likely to kick in, like yeah. for instance, um, you know, a bride comes down the aisle, and you kind of know that mum is probably going to sit there her husband's not going to be next to her so she's going to stand there on her own watching her daughter and her husband come down the aisle and being a mum now myself I know that I would probably be a blubbering mess mess so (laughs) and I I guess that comes with experience like the more weddings you photograph you kind of know what situations can trigger certain things or um you know dad seeing his daughter in the dress for the first time um, you know, or, um, you know, grandparents, if grandparents are there or, you know, if there is quiet little moments in between the bride and groom and when, when you do portraits, I like to, um, especially doing portraits, like I, I like to just sort of give them a starting point and then I remove myself from the situation a little bit and just let, let them do their own thing and see how it organically develops. Yeah. And I feel like that you can get some really sweet stuff out of that, um, but for me, it's not, it's not so much trying to create anything. It's just being a silent observer on sitting on the fence waiting for certain things to happen. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's, um, I guess it's trying to understand a couple's dynamic um, and trying to understand who they are as, as individuals but also what they're like as a couple. Like, um, you know, some people are, are really into each other and you don't have to do anything at all and, and you get some really good stuff. Yeah, um, love where other couples. people's yeah, where other couples <laughs> are a bit more shy, but you you know you want to do a really good job, and I think this is where it becomes important that you have some experience and t- don't take yourself as a photographer too serious. Mm. Um, you know, I can I can do some inappropriate jokes if I have to, um, and I can make a bit of fun of myself to <laughs> you know get certain reactions out of people and to get them going and to loosen them up, and then you just have to be ready for that. And I guess the one thing is never take your camera down. Like mm. just just keep keep going, like keep yeah. looking, keep waiting for it to happen. You know, don't just don't just photograph the kiss, wait for what happens after the kiss because that could be a really sweet moment too. Um yeah, I think that's I don't know, I just I like I like people and I like I like observing. It's a bit nerdy and perhaps a bit, I don't know, peeping Tom-like, but I like seeing <laughs> couples' dynamics and what they do in certain situations. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like capturing that, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And you do such a good job of it too. Thank um, you. There's always, um, whenever looking at, I'm, I'm looking at different photographers, it's always interesting to figure out like, okay, what's their strategy to get this moment or capture this moment? Yeah. Because yeah. so many photographers capture such like amazing moments, and you have no idea what they're doing. You're like, are they? Yeah, are they wild and rambunctious, like somebody yeah. we know, or yeah. are they quiet and reserved, more introverted, and just letting it happen? So yeah. it's interesting. I think, yeah, I, I don't think um, I'm not super super loud and out there. Like I, ha- if I have to, I will step in, and you know, some situations it's like herding cats at wedding days. Um, if you just have to get shit done. Yeah. Um, 
but for the most part, I try not to. Like, I'm not there to orchestrate anything. Um, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to capture it the way it happens, however it happens, if it's, you know, um, it's the pretty moments, the ugly moments and, and everything in between. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So in saying that, letting it happen, do you have any, like, um, influence on how the day actually goes? So when you get to, like, the portraits, are, are you controlling that at all or is it actually just <laughs> you're there letting it happen no no so um so I like to be um like obviously I meet with my couples in the lead up to a wedding day and yeah. um because I feel like like as a photographer for the most part or for most weddings I'm there from from start to finish and you know we all display our work on social media and that's how people find us so they have certain expectations of what they want from their wedding day and what they want from you. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to be very open and transparent and tell them, okay, guys, look, if we want to achieve this on your wedding day, here's a sample timeline of what works and, you know, how much time we should try and allocate for certain things. Um, but again, like this is a perfect scenario. Take it, look at it. And if you feel like this is good, we can work with this, then we can do that. And in general, I sort of ask for, you know, give me an hour to do your bridal party photos and then we do some portraits and then we might go out and do some sunset photos. So I have, I try to influence it in that way. But if they turn around and say, look, really not our thing, we don't want to do that, um, that's totally fine. And I just be really open and tell them, okay, well, if we do that, then you kind of need to expect this. So there's no nasty surprises in the end. And then I guess on the day in terms of actually doing the photos. Um, again, it, it depends on the type of people that you're working with. Like if a couple is really into each other, um, all I need to focus on is on finding some awesome light or finding some awesome locations and go, yeah. hey, guys, you know, just you guys just go over there and you give them a starting point and, and then just step away mm. and let them do their thing. Um, and other times when you have people that, are not really super comfortable and don't really know what to do. You give them a starting point and you might play some music or, you know, you throw some stupid jokes in there or you give them some, some calls to action on things to do and, you know, you lighten it up a little bit and make them feel a bit more comfortable. And then they, they're generally, like I've never, touch wood, um, I have <laughs> never had a couple where I literally had to work really hard from where to go, like giving them poses. I yeah. don't like doing that. Um, it's just not, I feel like, I feel like if you're posing people and you go, oh, hey, do this and that and twist here and, um, they're not going to feel comfortable doing that. Um, they're probably going to look at that photo and hate it because it doesn't reflect them. It doesn't reflect the moment. It doesn't reflect their feelings. And, um, they probably bury that in the deepest, darkest corner of their cupboard and never pull it out. And they, they, they're not proud of that photo. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like, I failed at my job because, if, you know, if I deliver my product and they've hired me for a certain, for a certain reason, but then I deliver that product and they hate seeing themselves in it and never pull them out, then I failed. And, yeah. and that to me is, would be heartbreaking and horrible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I try not to orchestrate too much because I just don't feel that people will yeah love it and see themselves in the images and remember the day by that. So Yeah. yeah. Most curious to ask that question because some people say that, but then they actually mean something totally different. It's kind of just like keywords, like photographer keywords, like, yeah, it's authentic and natural, but it's like, no, they're actually like controlling every moment, every part of it. Mm. So no. um, that's a great answer. I like that. 
Yeah, I think um, I think music really helps. Um, mm. Like if you know, because you, you meet your couples beforehand, so you kind of get a bit of an idea of what they're like. I always have a little Bluetooth speaker with me. I don't have to pull that all the time, um, but I have it with me. And if I can feel that, um, you know, it's just not flowing and it's just not happening, then pull out the speaker, put it on your harness and just play whatever they really like. Like we all yeah. have Spotify or whatever. And just quickly find some tunes that they're like, chuck it on and just make it more like a hangout instead of making it, here's my camera, pointing it in your face. It's huge. Now do this and do that and smooch <laughs> yeah. and give me some PDA. And, yeah. You know, that's not going to work. Yeah. Kiss for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's the sort of, that's the, the, the route I try and go down and it, it tends to work quite well for me. Yeah. And was that like, has that always been your, your strategy? Cause when you started out, it was just photographing friends. Was that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was, I think this is, this is one of the main reasons why I opened my mind to weddings uh, because I was so uh, in the mindset that weddings are really structured and it's just really, I don't know, really fake and really, yeah, just really bland and yeah. not, not quite fluent and there's no room for creativity, but um, once I sort of dug a little deeper, there, there is a market for that. And, and in fact, 99% of my couples come because of that. They want something natural. They want something not so stage. There's a market out there for the really high posed and, um, you know, high end fashion kind of weddings. And that's fine. Everyone needs, needs, you know, their needs service, I suppose. But, um, I think because that is a thing, um, I liked weddings because if weddings were just people wanting posed and high-end fashion kind of looks, it's just not me. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't do that. Um, so, yeah, for me, that was always the, the sort of the route that I went down. Yeah. Mm. That, that's great. Um, <laughs> I have a, just like a random question, but have you, yeah. have you ever taken pictures of your brides on your ranch? Is it like one of those ranches where you're like, no, oh, yeah, it looks great? No, I haven't, but I would really like to. Um, I actually have a really good photography friend that just lives in the in the village next door, and every time I go for a ride in the evening, we've got the most beautiful sunsets, and we have some really beautiful, like, long grass and stuff. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, I need just a person just right in that spot right there. <laughs> um, but, no, I haven't done that yet, but my daughter has been my model so far. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome and how's how's yeah. weddings changed since you've become a mother you mentioned that there's some things that have changed obviously like yeah seeing moms on wedding days and you're like you understand like what's going yeah. through their minds a bit yeah look I, I think um on a wedding day itself um I think you're just more um you're just more aware of emotions from certain people i.e mums brides um just because you find yourself in a position now being a mum um other than that, I think at a wedding, because I just get into my zone, like it, that hasn't really changed anything. But mm -hmm. the home office life certainly has changed. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a um, home office or is it a room? I have a, you... Well, I have a, so I have a, I have a huge home office, which is yeah. great. Um, and I've got a beautiful view and two big windows. And um, so in that regard, I'm really lucky. But um, River is now not in daycare anymore. So we've taken her out just for safety reasons. And um, I'm trying to 
juggle everything and she's super active so that makes it difficult <laughs> um but yeah I guess the um one of the reasons I ended up um going for you guys was because um just trying to do it all is just not possible um and I so this season I've really slowed down I've I didn't take as many bookings because obviously we knew I was pregnant and I wanted to try and stay home as much as possible and um, spend the first year with her and the season before I had 45 weddings um <laughs> so wow. I can't really I can't really do that now um and I don't know if I if I'll ever go back to doing 45 I did that for a couple of seasons and it was it was good and it's doable yeah um but at the same time like I don't yeah I need some weekends back to you know hang out with her and take her to pony club obviously <laughs> priorities <laughs> gotta develop her love for ponies <laughs> um <coughs> but yeah I think the the outsourcing has really helped um you know it's it's work smarter not harder mm-hmm. um that's really made a big difference um but yeah no yeah other than that it's um you know I have a little tiny tyrant that runs between my computer cables trying to pull on shit so painting. <laughs> yeah. um I don't know if your daughter's like this. Like I have two sons and my oldest is almost three. And I feel like nine months is that age where they are just like suicidal. Like everything that could kill them. They're like, I need that. Like I need to, to I need Mm -hmm. to like eat outlets. I need to find knives Mm -hmm. and pins and like Mm -hmm. poisonous things and just put it in my Mm -hmm. mouth. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. yeah, not hundred percent. Yep. Another full time um, job. she crawled towards the the fireplace this morning wanting to go like that Wonderful. and I'm like how about we don't <laughs> yeah it's probably yeah, not a good yeah. idea yeah and then they get no. mad at you for saying no right <laughs> exactly yeah yeah like, and then um, yeah she wanted to we've got a firewood stack in the house and she wanted to go up and um, eat a piece of firewood and I'm like how about we don't <laughs> how about we just stick to food <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I've got some essential oil bottles um, that were sitting um, on a shelf that she could reach and she just grabbed it and, like, wanted to open it and drink it. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, no, let's, let's just not kill ourselves today. Yeah, that that's <laughs> especially fun when your kid is super picky and won't eat real food but will eat <laughs> things on the ground. <laughs> so oh, no. good luck when you, if you get to that stage. I hope you don't. But oh, She's, look, she, I, I think... I think we're really, really lucky. Um, she is a super fun baby. She's um, she's quite easy. Um, we had our moments of no sleep, but for the most part, she lets us sleep through the night. And um, you know, she's always happy and giggles along. And that's um, the best. You know, so she's um, like in that respect, like she's she's really awesome. I, I think we can really count our lucky stars. And um, we have like my office is now divided, so the front part of my office is just her section and. Um, you know, she's got like a million toys out there and, um, I can see her from my desk and, oh, cool. um, I sort of get like 10, 15 minutes where I can quickly do an email and then I have to go back and hang with her. And that's yeah. sort of like our new routine. And when she goes down for sleep, so I'll quickly get some work done and that's about it really. Yeah. Savor that, those naps yeah. while you can. <laughs> <laughs> so are you, um, is it just you? Is white sh- shutter photography just, just you? just me yeah <laughs> yeah no it's just me um I did when I have those really crazy couple of years I did consider um getting someone in for the office work but 
Um, obviously, I'm now glad I didn't because there is no work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just me and and you guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is really good. But um, no, I think it's good. Like I, I don't look. Um, there's plenty of studios out there that have associated shooters, and I have done that once or twice, and it's worked well. Um, I have second shooters that I use um, for like really big weddings, um, but other than that, it's just me. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and is yeah. there? You mentioned it's just us helping you, um, like with yeah. editing, obviously. Yeah. So you're doing everything else. You're doing like emails, yeah. you're doing scheduling, meetings. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Do you have um, prints? Yeah. <laughs> It's it's a lot of work being a photographer, hey? <laughs> it is a lot of work. It's so and much more than think, you think. Yeah, and I think I look. I think the um, the public is a bit more educated about it now because there was there was you know um, there was quite a long time where people were like oh you know I can't believe photographers charge so much, um, but then at the same time and, and it's just like you just rock up and you take some photos and that's it and I'm like well. <laughs> not quite that simple you know yeah. there's a there's a lot of experience that's needed there's you need an office you need a computer you need hardware you need software you need insurance um you know you need knowledge um and you need time because I mean, running time. a business running a business is like photography is like five percent of the business um you know if mm-hmm. um if you consider all your admin work your emailing your your editing and culling and album designs and organizing prints and sending out usbs and all that kind of stuff like it all takes time yeah. um, you know you never really have a nine to five and it's not certainly not a monday to friday nine to five and you know you're losing your weekends and um for us in australia we have we don't get that many weddings over winter so you kind of have you know two-thirds of the year to um, earn your income for the entire year. So people kind of it, – it's getting better. I think the public is getting a, a bit better of an understanding. Yeah, um, that's of good. It all. Um, yeah. And a little bit more compassion get, for you guys. Yeah, and, and you know, you kind of get what you pay for. So, I mean, if you want an Uncle Bob shooting your wedding then and you only want to spend $500, Uncle that's Bob. fine. Oh. He's, you know, he's got his Monday to Friday job. Like he doesn't yeah. depend on it. Like his family, you know, doesn't depend on him earning much. So from photography, yeah. so he can put food on the table. But um, he's got that giant lens, you know, that giant zoom lens. So yeah, and then he's like right <laughs> at the front of the aisle with his seventy two hundred <laughs> and needs to take that portrait. Oh yeah, you go, you go, mate. You got that. He's gonna, Glad he's gonna, you, you know, he's gonna post it as soon as he gets home. He's gonna post that picture yes. everywhere. Oh, and and probably um, with like selected. Selective color editing. You know, so <laughs> I haven't seen that in years. <laughs> oh, haven't you? It's it's making a return. Is it actually? Oh. There's been this. I've seen a, a couple of posts recently on Facebook of people doing, it. <laughs> like unironically doing it. That's yeah. No, they they're doing it full full serious. Like, let's keep the flowers and color, and we'll do the rest bless in black those and white. People. Just bless their hearts. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, how do you keep on top of all of that stuff? Do you have like a CRM that you work with? Are you like a um, spreadsheet I person? No, I, no, I've never been a spreadsheet person, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, no, I use um, Studio Ninja. Nice, cool. Um, yeah, to keep me keep me somewhat accountable, <laughs> which yeah. is good. Um, yeah, somewhat and um, <laughs> um, yeah, Studio Ninja is good. Um, that just has everything in it, and then um, just a yeah, a shared calendar with my husband to coordinate parental duties. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's, he's a shift worker. So that throws another spanner into the works. Um, so 
I don't know, I have a really kind of set routine because, um, you know, I'm kind of have to, I just sort of assume that I have to do everything and then whenever I found out what shifts he works, we sort of coordinate. So, um, you know, it's just, it's all about having a routine, I guess, to, to be able to get stuff done and, and, and not get completely overwhelmed with it. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, you kind of work out certain workflows that work for you and, um, yeah, I guess that's all you can do and just try and stick with it. Otherwise, it's just go crazy. with it. Just <laughs> fake it till you make it, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's exactly right. It's my I tagline. Hate, <laughs> I love and hate that tagline so much because it's like, yeah, it's so true. It's kind of true, though. It's kind of true. But it's like, like it, it's, it hurts your pride, though. It's like, <laughs> I know kind I of what like I'm doing. In our industry, it's totally, yeah, no, I just make that shit up and I just want to <laughs> let you know that I do. Yeah. But that's what makes it tough in, in our industry specifically is you know that nobody else knows what the hell they're doing. So like, stop pretending, you know, like, let's just be real. <laughs> yeah. Let's just be real about it. Let's just be real. And that all admits to the fact that sometimes we have no fucking idea what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we would all be better friends and better off for it, you know? I think but, so. I think so. And we ha- look, we have, a, I don't know. Um, we have a really cool, um, in Melbourne, we have this really cool little community, um, um, it's like a, the, the secret fight club. Um, I've heard about of, this. I'm sure Briggsy would have probably mentioned it. Oh that. yeah. From a few different yeah. people. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. Like, um, are and, you allowed to talk about this right now? Oh, I think the first rule of fight club is to not talk about fight club. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the number <laughs> no, one. But our, our tagline is, um, you know, community over competition and it's just been really awesome. Um, like to help each other out and, you know, especially in a time like now where you know some of these guys they're the, the sole breadwinners in families and you know they've just had their entire season wiped out and to just have this community to be there and you know catch them as they fall and um you know bounce ideas of each other what we can do to you know find a way to get through this time and you know I had a I had a really shit situation where um my granddad had a heart attack and I was in the middle of bride prep photographing and I got Mm. this message from my brother and um, it's like one of my biggest fears living so far away from my family to get a message like that. And it was the middle of a wedding day and I just, I was a complete mess. And, um, you know, I was able to call on someone out of that group and that person literally lived five minutes down the road and he goes, look, I'll just chuck some pants on and I'll be there. And you know, he came and, and he, he took over and, um, my bride and groom were totally awesome and understood. And, you know, I just, I went and got myself a couple of shots of vodka and stood by the side <laughs> and called my family and, <laughs> you know, just sort of to yeah. get the, get the shake happening. And, yeah, yeah, um, totally. yeah. And, and, you know, it's just, I feel like there's a lot of bitchiness in this industry and I think that's why I probably could never be a fashion photographer because they're just the worst. Um, but yeah, it was, it's good to, to have that and to be open and honest and, and, you know, you don't have to know everything and you don't have to be able to excel at everything. You, you should be able to ask questions, especially amongst your peers or, you know, industry friends. I think that's really important to, you know, make this industry stronger. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, from an outsider's perspective, looking in like that group that you're talking about, like they're, they're all like amazing. They're all so good. Mm. Um, yeah. and I'm across the ocean just seeing things online and hearing stories. So it's yeah. really cool that you guys have that. 
And I wish that yeah. everybody could have that because uh, yeah. you never know like what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, like that kind of stuff you can't control. Yeah, and like 100%. right now, like everything's up in the air with wedding seasons for next year, even like this year. So it's nice to yeah. have like those friends to just kind of process yeah. and I don't yeah. know, drink it'd be with. Pretty hard. <laughs> it'd be pretty hard for you guys because you'd be going into your wedding season because we're just sort of finishing up our yeah. season, I suppose. It's uh I didn't really want to talk about it, but like our wedding season's basically done. Like everything until the end of June has been postponed. Like the venues have been like, no, we're not doing anything. So yeah. they're all being rescheduled. Yeah, so lots of free time right now, for sure. <laughs> Finally get to like those blog posts I've been meaning to do for three years. And hey, that website update maybe. that's been coming for about uh, three years. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I might get to yeah. it. I might just relax and read. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. So far, I'm heading on the direction of just doing nothing about it, so. Yeah. I relax too hard. Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, we've, we've got to try and not get overwhelmed by it. Um, it's, I don't know how it is for you guys in Canada, but um, our government's finally come through and there is some support for our sole traders, um, which is great. Um, and... I'm personally in a lucky position that my husband has a really safe job and his job will continue to exist. Um, mm. But yeah, um, it's frightening. Yeah, it's wild, but we'll get through it. We will. Be okay. I'm feeling good about it. I mean, it's so uncertain. Like, you, there's no point in stressing about it no. because it's going to change tomorrow. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, just being loving and. Yeah, just love people. Just be Stay compassionate. At home. And yeah, be compassionate. Do you do your thing and yeah, be supportive of people as good as well as you can. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um I have one more question and then I think that we're pretty much good. We've been talking for quite a while now. <laughs> oh shit. Hang on. <laughs> I dropped you out. <laughs> Go. No problem. So we've been asking everybody if they have any like horror stories from any weddings. Just to kind of end on a light note or funny note, can you think of any wild stories or wild brides or that have done weird things or I've got one story. It's not a horror story as such, but it was a really for me, it was a really cool just um vendors coming together and making something happen. Yeah, for sure. Where our hands were forced and we couldn't do anything about it. So I had a wedding um, on the 30th of December last year. And <laughs> hang on, sorry, keep stopping out. Um, yeah, I had a wedding on the 30th of December. Um, they're a really sweet couple. Um, and they were supposed to get married at this really cool um, old artist community venue called Montserrat. And um, my second shooter and I, we... Um, we're on our way to the groom prep and I'm sure you guys have all heard about the Australian bushfires this year. Yeah. Or last year. And um, we went our way to groom prep and they were living sort of in like a fringe suburban area and we came off the freeway and we could smell really strong smoke and we're like, oh, this is really odd. Um, and it was like a park um, area within like the fringe housing estates and stuff. And we got to the groom and it was a really, really windy day and it's um, it's like the, the horror scenario, unfortunately, in Australia. Like we have really hot days and they all come with really strong winds. Yeah. 
and um, we got storm. to the groom. Yeah, the perfect storm. And with the groom prep and we stepped out of the groom's house and it was, again, really smoky, like it got more intense. Anyway, we went to the bride's house and it was the house that they'd just purchased and it was beautiful. It was on a big block and it's like this really awesome, massive um, house and we did our thing and um, left the bride to go to the venue and started shooting the setup in the venue and um, I think it was about 15 minutes before the ceremony was supposed to start and there was most guests were already there. Um, the whole area got evacuated. No. Because the fire was moving towards us yeah. and um, the venue just couldn't take the risk. And the unfortunately, um, the house where they that they just purchased, where the bride was getting ready, is only five minutes down the road. So it fell into the evacuation zone. So they uh, even had to leave their own house. Yeah. Um, and um, so they just all got in the cars and they had lots of people from overseas because the groom was South African. Mm-hmm. And um, so everyone just got in their cars and drove into like neighboring suburbs and they all ended up at a pub um, just trying to wait it out. And um, the wedding couldn't go ahead that day. And um, my second and I, we had to try and get um, across the freeway to get to the other side of this fire to get back home. And um, we frantically tried to see if we can find them a different venue and we could have had a couple of different venues, but the bride and groom couldn't coordinate it because so many guests were out of place. Yeah. And in the end, um, all the vendors came together and we've organised um, to have the wedding in their backyard the following day because the fire was take, got under control. And then um, they just shifted everything to their backyard within a matter oh, of so hours. Good. So and um, yeah, and we've managed to the the original celebrant couldn't do it because she had family members that were trapped in another fire, um, so she had to go Crazy. and get them out. But she'd organised someone else um, that could do it, and then that person drove like two hours to get to them. And um, yeah, so we've managed to within a few hours to to make it happen. And um, so I got in the car the next day and drove back down, and we did the whole thing in their backyard, which was cool. That's so cool. Yeah. So all the guests and, um, from South Africa got to be there still. And- yeah, yeah, they still got to be there. And the venue was really cool. Um, so we couldn't have the actual wedding at the venue that day. Um, but the they've got a beautiful, like the grounds are just stunning. And they were really excited about having the photos taken there. So um, I ended up just somewhat communicating that, yeah, we can go there. And we did. And we just sort of snuck <laughs> through the gate. That was kind of open and <laughs> yeah. we we got to do the photos and we popped some champagne um before we did, got into the photos and yeah, just celebrated that, you know. That's awesome. That's they so got good. married and yeah, it was good. That was really nice. That's like so much anxiety and fear followed by so much just like joy <laughs> and celebration. Yeah. yeah. So no, I, I I actually don't I was just trying to think if I don't I don't actually have any horror stories of, of weddings as such, but I, I just I I think this this particular wedding will stick with me for a while, just of the situation and, and how it all unfolded and um yeah, I'm just so glad that we could make it happen for them. Totally. Really cool. That's an amazing yeah. story. I like that. And so uh positive. That's uh, I, yeah. like, I like that you you're keeping it positive and light. Um awesome. Well we've been chatting for an hour and 20 minutes ish. So I feel like, (laughs) I feel like that's great. Um, I feel like I know you a lot better now, which is exactly what I wanted. 
Um, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, if people want to find you on your like, mm-hmm. website, social media, where can they do that? Uh, yeah, so our website is just whiteshutterphotography.com. Uh, Instagram is at white underscore shutter underscore photography. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but if you just go to the website, there's links there to find me. Um, hit me up, slide yeah. into the DMs. Slide into those DMs. And can they find <laughs> uh, those pictures of your, your miniature pony there? or? Not there. Um, there is another Instagram account called Gerard Equestrian. And there is some photos of Chickaboo. 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 <laughs> Even the name is just adorable. <laughs> yeah, we've shortened it to Boo, um, Boo because I feel like it's going to be a bit easier for the kids. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, yeah, make sure you guys go check out Anne at uh, White Shutter Photography and uh, keep up with all of her beautiful work because her wedding stuff is amazing. And yeah, follow her little horsies and her little cute daughter and family. Until next time, thank you so much for doing this. You can check out all of Anne's wonderful wedding work on her website and Instagram, which are, of course, linked in our show notes. We've also included links to see Chickaboo, which you just have to check out. For our next conversation, we are talking to Talia Lee, who is a destination wedding photographer who offers a glimpse into the realities of running a destination wedding photography business. If you have enjoyed listening to these conversations, we would love if you'd consider subscribing. If you want to find out more about PostPartner and what we are all about, you can check us out at postpartner.com or find us on Instagram at post underscore partner. Thank you so much for joining us and we hope to see you again. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. If you found this conversation interesting, let us know by sending us a DM on Instagram at postpartner or send us an email to hello at postpartner.com. We look forward to sharing more of our conversations in the next few weeks. Thanks again and we'll see you on the next episode. See you later.